Lilo Key Part Two. We back. We back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about um, the the vaccine. So, you got your second shot yesterday. I got my second shot yesterday. Yeah, after the first shot, I didn't have any issues. I although I I do have to preface that like my uh, my cousin works in in biology, um, and he was saying like, yo, make sure you drink a lot of water. And after you get the shot, if you move your arm more and stuff, it's going to help to, uh, to like spread it through your body quicker and you, you won't have the symptoms. So my thinking was I'm going to go get the shot. And then I had to get it like 9am. So I wasn't going to work out before that, but I came home and worked out super hard. And I thought, yeah. okay, there's, if moving your arm a little bit, is going to help, then this is going to really help. And then it just smacked me in the face like 14 hours in. And I was like, uh, oh, my God, this is a terrible, terrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, props to you, man, for for coming to the podcast, you know, right after the shot. I remember I got mine like three weeks ago now, my second shot. And like I was saying, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night with like chills and fever. I was like, OK, it's happening because I had COVID, you know, back in July. Did you? Yeah. So I, I'd gone through very similar symptoms before and then. When I woke up in the middle of the night, it's all right, it's on. But um, so so what was it then that led you to get the the vaccine if you had already gotten COVID? So I guess they say like after six months or something like that, like you lose the antibodies or you don't really have them anymore, so you have to get vaccinated regardless. Well, I was seeing um seeing that that was or looked like the case with the vaccine too. That um after after like six months or something with Pfizer, you got to get a third shot or something now. Right. Yeah. I'm not so, looking forward to that. I got to, I got to just say, we don't know anything. We don't know what we're talking about. If you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm a um, medical professional. Yeah. For anybody, Contact for anybody your medical. Um, but yeah, that's what I've heard too, is that even if you get the shot, they thought they're talking about like a third booster shot now, but um, I just fucking, I, I did it because my girlfriend signed me up. Basically she wants to go do stuff and, and she got vaccinated already. That's so. exactly the reason that I did it too. Yeah. I was going to get it and she was like, I'm signing you up and I don't have a California, uh, license yet, even though I've been here for long enough. I just, oh. I lived in New York for so long that I never needed to get a New York license. So I moved to LA and I was like, I don't know, just been putting it off and COVID hit and it became increasingly difficult to actually get into the DMV. And she was like, I'm signing you up. We're going to take you down there to see if, see if you can get the, the vaccine and just pray you can. And I was like, I'm going to be so pissed if you wake me up and take me down here. And then I can't get it. And I, I got it without a problem, luckily. But uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're both good to go then, sounds like. Um, yeah, we can at start least for spitting six in people's months. mouths. <laughs> All right, bro. So recently you just dropped an album, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, Called And uh, the Beasts. past Wednesday, And the Beasts. Hell yeah. So tell me about it. What, what was that about? So it was about two and a half, three years in the making. Um, I've always, like I come from a filmmaking background um, prior to, to having a career in music. So I, I've always looked at music as uh, kind of that cinematic perspective. And so for me, like when I, when I started my career, so much of my time was divided between um, recording a song, uh, like prepping it, then releasing it, and doing all the marketing and stuff for it. So if I were to take time away to to make a body of work early on, it would have taken away so much from from what I was able to do on the marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, I just kind of waited for a little while, but it was always a goal of mine to, to focus on albums. I want to be an album artist. I want to make bodies of work uh, because there's so much more you can you can do with that. Like in a song, you can cover 
a topic or, or, or touch on a couple different things. But on an album, it, it's almost like scenes in a movie. Each song is a scene in a, mm -hmm. in a much larger story that you're trying to tell. And it was, yeah, I was blessed to be able to, uh, to sign to, uh, to the orchard to produce this first album. Uh, and yeah, it was a hell of an experience. I mean, it was, it was a lot that happened in that time. And that's kind of where the title and the beasts comes from is one on one side of things. It's, it's being immersed in the, the music industry for the first time and seeing getting hit in the face with like this, the, yeah, for, for lack of the term, the industry, the business side of it, of something I'd always seen as like a passion of mine before and trying mm -hmm. to navigate that and, and finding the beasts within the industry. And then you have the other side of that while where um, when you're focusing so hard on a career, you, you have issues with personal relationships and you're struggling to keep, keep uh, romantic relationships going and, and friends to spend time with, with them and not, not get too caught up in your work and stuff. And then there's coping mechanisms and, and self-medicating and stuff. There's just all these beasts that I saw in all different areas of, of kind of the experience of, of finding your own path in a career um, that's brand new. And right. that's, that's kind of where the album came from. Wow. Yeah. So the first thought I had, you know, you're talking about your filmmaking background and, and how an album and each song is like scenes of an entire movie or like something like that. Do, have you thought about doing, uh, I don't know if you saw Meek Mill's project. I think it was, I think the last album or the one before it where he made a whole like hour long movie where throughout it, each song played and it kind of like tied it into something i didn't see theatric. i didn't see that i did see um i uh, i think three albums ago was Pusha t released uh darkest before the dawn okay uh, i believe that's what the title was and he did a similar thing where he put out a short film and and even growing up like uh kanye west my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is one of my favorite albums mm. ever and the the short film that accompanied that was was something that i'd never seen before at that age and so it's definitely something that i want to do uh, down the road is to to bring a whole album into a um, a concise, unique, uh, long form visual. Yeah, yeah, that sounds well. like something you would be good at. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see that. So, but then with the orchard. So what is what happened there? Like I've heard of the orchard. I know a couple people who work with them. Um, how did you go about starting a partnership or a deal or like how did that happen? So it was a it was a deal uh, with the Orchard and Perfect Time Publishing, uh, or through Perfect Time Publishing. And what had happened was real early on um, in my career when I released Through the Mist, uh, the music video for that, I had I had people just hitting me up from seeing the music video, like different different labels and and um, managers and stuff like that. And it was kind of weeding through the grass of finding who to, to who to talk to, who to mm -hmm. listen to, um, and uh, Adam from Perfect Time Publishing, the founder of Perfect Time Publishing, hit me up and he wanted to do a deal then. And mm. uh, the terms of the deal were not not very favorable to, to an artist trying to scrape by to make a living. At that point, I don't think I was even fully making a living off of mm. my music. Um, but he came to me and he, we were talking a little bit and it sounded good. And then he, he sent over a contract and I essentially came back to him. I said, look, where I am now isn't even close to where I'll be in a year. And you got to kind of trust me. I can't sign this deal the way it is now. There's no, there's no money up front. There's nothing. There's no kind of uh, defined marketing budget on, on the back end of how things are going to work. Um, 
and so for me, it was just, I, the, the conversation kind of ends here and, and he understood that. And it was, it wasn't like anything ended on bad terms. Um, but it was kind of the end of it. And we kept in touch a little bit here and there, but then a year later, and I had, I had over a hundred thousand monthly listeners on, on, uh, Spotify, as opposed to like 35,000 when we first mm -hmm. were talking and he came back and he said, Hey, I, I want to meet with you again. He said, turns out you did the, did the things that you said you were going to do. <laughs> I said, I told <laughs> Then we, we sat down for lunch and he was like, let's, uh, let's look into the, the potential for doing a, a, an album deal again. And my, I, I was ever, ever, uh, since the, the start of m having interest in working with a label in any capacity, it was, it was always to do a single album deal. I didn't want to do anything mm -hmm. long-term. I didn't want to sign, want to sign for like a multi-year contract. Um, and I, I didn't want to include any back catalog or anything. I just want to like, look, if you're betting on me, you're betting on what I can create, uh, given that none of it's been created yet. Right. And, and I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to be stuck in a deal for too long. I kind of wanted the freedom to make an album and then to get out and continue doing what I, what I do on my own. Uh, and that was the terms after a bit of negotiation worked out and we were both happy with them. And then we kind of dove into the project and it was, it was a long time coming. A lot of, a lot of songs were made for it. Um, a couple of the like couple of first songs that I wrote uh, when when starting to work on this album ended up on the project, and then a couple far more recent songs from from 2020, 2021 landed on there as well. Hmm. And I I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of growth demonstrated within the project as a whole that comes from kind of being given that time to to work and hone hone in on exactly what I want this to be. What I wanted to say, because when I started, there wasn't a, there wasn't a goal. My my um, mentality was, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make a bunch of songs and see where these link together, see where some of these link together, and so that's what I did. And and I started to kind of shape things, but it it took that span of time to really at and that that span of time, both in in making music and in just living, to mm -hmm. to get to a point where I was like, okay, this is what I want to say with this project. And, uh, and, and now I think it's ready to, to come out. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing, so I want to get back at some point to the actual lunch that you had with the guy from the orchard. Cause that's, that's something that I'm very interested in. Like, how does that go? But, um, overall what I was hearing was that you held out until you had more leverage because yeah. whenever you start working with a music company or a label or a publishing, they're always going to try and give you, um, the most favorable deal to them as they possibly mm -hmm. can. And it's usually pretty standard. It's nothing personal, nothing negative. It's just their business. And so they're going to give you as little as they can and take as much as they can um, if you don't have leverage. But you decided, I'm not going to sign that right now. I'm going to wait until I have more monthly listeners, more leverage. Um, and then we can talk about a partnership on a single project, which I really like, which kind of reminds me of uh, Russ's story where he built up his catalog first, and then he did a, a one project partnership to, to blow up his brand while still eating off of his independent catalog. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've never followed Russ too closely. I feel like a lot of people are probably going to hate me. If nah, a lot of, it's, it's so hit and miss. A lot of people. Um, hate him. I used to, I used to love him back in the SoundCloud days, but uh, his antics are a little much hipster. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very ahead of the curve. As soon as yeah. something gets popular, it just drops off my radar. Yeah. That's not true at all. <laughs> Shout out to Drake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it just like, I, I don't think, I don't know that he, I even was consciously 
thinking like that at the time, mm. but I was just, I was so new to the whole business side of things that I've always had a, a good deal of sense about me that I, when the first deal was proposed, it was like a three year contract, no money up front. And, and for me, it's like, why would I want to, if, if I can generate, if I went from no, nothing at all, making music, putting it up on SoundCloud for a few hundred listeners, fantasizing about a thousand plays on a song. If I went from that to hundreds of thousand plays or millions across various platforms, then why would I sign to somebody else when, when their means of promotion are unproven, at least in, to me, hmm. it just, and, and for such a long term too, like three years, That's anything can happen in that amount of time. So it just wasn't, it wasn't anything that interested me. And gotcha. then, it, and then, yeah, that was, I think there, between our first conversation, and our second conversation, there were a number of other conversations that I had with different labels in the, in the industry and different organizations and stuff. Um, and so I was able to wrap my head around like how different kinds of deals are structured. And then by the time we came back together and reconvened, I was like, okay, this is what I want. I want, I want one album. I won't do any more than that. I want X amount of dollars up front. I want this much promised, uh, marketing budget on the back end. And, and this much freedom in, in creating, which is essentially all freedom in creating. Hell yeah. I love that, dude. I love hearing independent artists take control of, of the deals because most of the time you don't get very much say, but because of the path that you took and, you know, having all those different conversations to educate yourself, because first off, let's just tell everyone out there, don't sign the first deal. If you're getting yeah. a deal out of nowhere, that means you're doing something right. Keep doing that. Um, build up the leverage and then come back to to maybe, you know, to those deals later. But yeah, having all those different conversations, analyzing different types of deals helps you understand what it is that you will eventually sign if you choose to. Um, and so that's the thing too, is like, even, even in turning down that first deal, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're canceling out that relationship mm -hmm. or the potential for anything in the future with that individual or that company, whatever you can end things on good terms right. without, without accepting a, a deal that undervalues you. Um, and I think that's, that's exactly it is. It's so exciting when that first label hits you up or that first company and, and they want to do something with you and put, put money in your hand or, or sign you to a label because that's the fantasy as a kid. Yeah. Like you you could be a rapper, you could be an artist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's putting that kind of like childlike amusement aside and saying, okay, but what's, if I'm really going to do this, obviously, if something is, if some contract is coming in front of me, I'm doing something right. Like you said, hmm. how do I, how do I best position myself to elevate to that next step? Right. Yeah. Just don't, like you said, it's very exciting and you know, it's the fantasy, but don't let that pressure get to you. And then of course, like you said, realize the person offering it to you understands that it's business. He gets yeah. no's every day from everyone. Like it, it, it won't affect your relationship if you do it in the right way, obviously. But you can maintain that relationship and just say, no, that's not right for me or it's not right for me right now. And you can always come back to it. But I want to ask you um, why you did choose The Orchard and how they approached you, I guess, the first time or the second time and like how that sit down goes so like when a label reaches out to you guys at lunch how does what does that feel like what is what's he telling you what's he asking you um so the the first time uh that he reached out it was it's just via email he's like yo i saw your your new music video i am i am so and so adam brostoff uh, i'm i work with the orchard i have my own publishing um subsidiary under under the orchard uh, i'm interested in what you do and talk anymore so 
And I like ever since the start of um, when I started looking at rap as a career, I was always eager to take every phone call uh, mm. or, or every email that reached out. And I still am because I think even if nothing comes from it, information and, and knowledge and, and um, yeah, information and knowledge could come from it, experience, there you go. Uh, you can gain from that in, in uh, learning how to handle future calls and, and learning how to conduct yourself when the right offer comes across. Right. And so it was just a, a conversation on the phone. And then at some, it might've been like a month later, they brought, he brought me into the orchard office and had me meet everybody and, and showed me all how everything worked. And that's a, that's a, I feel like a common tactic of bringing people in and, and yeah. showing off the works and everything. Like, look, look at all we do. This could be <laughs> what you're a part of, but it's, it's easy to get distracted by that and, and, and uh, get excited about doing something with a company because of seeing all that. Mm. But you got to realize like, if you're, if, especially if you're a newer artist, you're not a priority. Right. Um, and that was, that was a, the, the perspective for me was, I just, I knew that going in, I was like, this is cool. This is neat. I think maybe there's something here down the line. Um, and then it was just, I've, I had a friend who uh, was a lawyer in New York city, not an entertainment lawyer, but knew enough about it that he was able to talk with me. I'd send him contracts and oh, send him okay. the initial contract. And he was like, it doesn't look bad, but here are the things that you definitely want to take note of and, and figure out if this is right for you. And I came back to him. I was like, yeah, that that's kind of how I'm feeling. Three years is not a, a term that I want to do. I don't want to sign over any uh, rights to my back catalog. Uh, I want ownership over anything that I produce under the term of the contract, so on and so forth. And, and I just kind of sent that all back to Adam and he, he came back. He's like, at this point, I just can't take that risk. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm watching. And that was kind of it for, yeah. for about a year. And then it was, it was just another, another email a year later. And he said, Hey, remember me kind of thing. <laughs> He's yeah, like, yeah. I, uh, I've been seeing what you're doing and you, you did everything that you, you told me you would a year ago. Um, uh, you want to, you want to go grab lunch? And it was, and that was, it was most casual lunch. Like it was just sitting down and he said, what do you want to do? And I told him, I said, I want to be able to, to do a, a single album deal, uh, for X amount of dollars up front so that I can live essentially, um, and, and focus on making a body of work at one time, as opposed to making something, marketing it, making mm -hmm. something, marketing it. And it was pretty quick, uh, that we were able to work out, work that deal out. Wow. That's awesome. So I guess the next question is now that the album's done, it just released, what kind of stuff, uh, like, how is that process going now that you have a label that you're working with? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's incredibly exciting. I mean, we did like, I told you before last time I was on the podcast about how, and I'm trying to figure out how much I can say and how much I can't. Okay, That's yeah. why I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating. Uh, but when I, when I found myself a way into the music industry, it was through this, like the means of growth hacking and pretending to be Frank Ocean and using these, um, <laughs> of like off the wall strategies that nobody, no typical artist would think of using and kind of weaving my way, way in through the cracks. And so, uh, when we started sitting down, when I had the final album sent over to him and we had all the mastering done and, and all the, uh, the paperwork squared away, the conversation was, okay, we have, we have the, the album for licensing and all that, but then for the commercial release, how are we going to market this? And I've always, that's always kind of been the one 
thing in the back of my mind when making an album as an independent artist because it's impossible to do a to do like a, a traditional mainstream album release or style album release as an independent artist and have anyone care because mm -hmm. you don't have the the direct fan base the direct reach um the notoriety the money which is a huge factor mm. uh or yeah that scale of money um so i've i've always kind of looked at an album as as or when, out of reach when, a little bit say that again a little out of reach you know something you can't really execute not, as not well, necessarily out of reach but like okay i can't release it this way so mm. i gotta figure out something and so we started we jumped on a on a zoom call the one day and we're talking about it and I was kind of dreading it because I was like, I don't know how we're going to put this out. And I sure he was too. And we we're like, we're going to get on it. We're going to talk about how to promote this album. And within an hour, we had come up with the wildest, like most off the wall <laughs> promoting promotional campaign. And I can't unfortunately talk yeah, a lot me. about it right now, but I feel like people will start seeing variations of this face in a very different context <laughs> around cities and uh, around the internet. Hell yeah. Uh, it, doing a bit of a, an ARG augmented reality game. Oh, okay. Uh, to find, to find the album. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to, to see it and then maybe talk with you again later after it's all, you know, happened because that's always the curious, like you were saying, it's everyone's curiosity as an independent artist. Like even if you can build up the leverage and make the right connection on a label and sign a deal that's favorable and where you have guaranteed, you know, priority and marketing budget and all that, like once that's done, how does that actually play out? You know, like where does that money go? How do you make sure that they're, that you guys are on the same page with where it's going and how it's being promoted? And it's really hard to determine too, uh, like at the start, even if, even if all those details are worked out, an mm. album is something that inherently takes a long time. Now, not, it doesn't right. always take a year and, and Chance the Rapper made a mixtape in a, in 10 <laughs> days or whatever, but that's not the, that's not the typical case, especially with, with an album, mm. a fully realized uh, project. And so you could essentially come up with this whole game plan of how that money is going to be spent, how it's going to be marketed at the start before the album's made. But then you have that amount of time from when you had that conversation to when mm. the final product comes, which can be a year uh, or more. And in that amount of time, the entire scape of the industry, this, the popularization of different sounds than were present when you started are going to impact how things change heavily. Right. Like the upcrop of different platforms, either audio Mac, wasn't even in the conversation when, when uh, I signed a deal to to do the album. But now that's a that's an up and coming platform that could be utilized in a in an awesome way by artists because their 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 team is accessible, they're mm -hmm. friendly, um, and there are a lot of a lot of people downloading it. It's a super popular music app um, and things like that. Just the whole landscape could change real quick. Wow. Yeah. So it is it is kind of. I think it's it's just making sure that when you sign with somebody, you guys are both aware that like maybe okay, we have these tentative plans, but we both got to keep our our ears to the streets and and see how things are changing and figure out and learn to adapt as to how we we fit in, how the music fits into the the current landscape, and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And like you said, the different platforms is is huge, but then also, you know, the project might change. You know, like from yeah. when you have the inception of the idea to when it's fully formed, it's like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm telling a different story than I thought I was going to. 
Um, but I want to talk with you a little bit about AudioMac because you said it's it's a growing new platform, and I'm actually kind of familiar with it. I think three maybe three years ago, um, someone was telling me about AudioMac, and so we were doing our uploads on AudioMac, and they were super accessible to where you could just email the guy who did the um, like the new trending playlist or something like that and so we were able to get Oren's music on that playlist sometimes but then i kind of just Hold totally on one second forgot I'm, getting about a, I'm getting a lot of lag from your okay. audio here give me one second here all right okay it should be okay how we sound my my break uh, a little better a little better okay yeah it, you... yeah it's yeah i think it i think it'll work Okay. All right. We'll get through it. Um, but yeah, so with audio, uh, sorry, ask that again about audio Mac. Yeah. So, um, so I was saying that a few years ago I was familiar with audio Mac. We were doing our uploads to audio Mac and they were super accessible to where you could just email them and make it on their, like their trending playlist or whatever it was called. Um, and so we were able to get Oren on their trending playlist. Um, and then after a while we just kind of stopped focusing on it, but it sounds like um, from from what you're seeing, it's growing now. Is that the case? Yeah, I think it. I think it is because it's not a it's not a brand new platform. It's uh-huh. definitely been around uh, a lot, but I, I don't know what exactly is the cause for its its kind of resurgence. Um, but I I think some of the team from SoundCloud uh, switched over to AudioMac. Oh. And um, I know I know a lot of individuals, or at least a few individuals that work at DJ Booth, are also high up in uh, Audio Mac, and and they're kind of reshaping the platform. And the I think the accessibility is still there uh, to an extent. Like I I was uh, just recently, like last month, verified on Audio Mac, and I didn't have the right amount of of streams or or plays or whatever on the couple songs that I did upload, but I had just seen one of the one of the founders or one of the uh the higher up execs on twitter that i followed and he said something about like this is how you reach out to to people in the music industry so i just hit him up with a dm i was like hey do you mind if i send you a song and i he goes yeah thank you for hitting me up correctly and i was like that huh. that's how i finesse that and, and he goes here are you on audio mac and i sent him over my profile and he's like here you can now monetize your account you're verified and all that and i was like that's really neat like especially yeah. and i i see that a lot um because i know a few other uh founders of of music centric apps and and different platforms and stuff and they're always posting about like the top top charts of the highest downloaded music apps and stuff and audio mac is always right up there and so it's definitely definitely a a regrowing platform okay yeah everyone take that note down uh get back on audio mac if you (laughs) if you're not um okay so let's get back to the album and working with the orchard uh, I'm curious about like where you go from here. So you're working on the uh, the album rollout, the release plan, the marketing. Um, are you are you guys planning to do any touring or shows or or like what what will happen next? Yeah, that's I think that's a a big focus of uh, what I want to do here um, in the near future. And one of the reasons that I actually care to go get the vaccine because I was like I want right. to I want to start doing that um, as things are starting to open up. I don't know exactly what what the tourist structure will look like. I want to start doing shows around LA if things can open up around here first and kind of flush out a set. Mm. Um, kind of work it like a stand-up comedian where yeah. just doing smaller shows, get everything coordinated, uh, refined, and then take it on the road and, and see what I can do there. 
but along the way, I want to I want to work on more and more visuals for different songs off the project. Um, one of the singles we're pushing, I mean, obviously, Doused uh, was the the lead single that was released. Um, I guess two weeks before the album came out, and with our with that music video, and that was super cinematic. And I want to kind of carry that tone throughout the whole album. And and while we were talking about making like single visual visual elements to the whole project, that's not um, not a possibility right now with this with this project. But I do want to make uh, similarly styled videos and really right. kind of convey this image. That was a big focus for me in, in releasing it. I want to kind of keep that up. So we got something coming out for my end um, shortly once I once I get the final cut of that back. And that's what I, I want to keep pushing the visuals and keep um, kind of consolidating what my visual brand is through mm -hmm. this album. Right. Yeah. And then with the so, yeah, like the music videos all being kind of the same feel is very important, I think, especially if they're all you know representing the same album. Um, so that'll be awesome. Um, and then with the shows, is that something that the label is going to help you with at all? Was that part of your contract or was no, it just that's just, the... that's something I'll do independently from okay. them. Gotcha. They have, uh, it's a, it was a licensing and, and publishing deal with them. Um, so they'll, they'll be doing licensing and stuff. Hopefully getting a bunch of songs in, uh, movies and TV shows. Uh, that's, that's a big reason that I, I like the orchard actually, and, and decided oh. to go with them is because they have a huge film department. Gotcha. And that was, and uh, Adam, who I had signed with, was the head of the film department at that time. So he's still really tied in with them. Um, and we have a we have a big shot at licensing a good amount of these songs. Wow. Okay. So you're looking at some sync, some sync placements then. That would be that would be the goal. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Well, so what's it like now? Are you able to take kind of like a breath? and be like, I did it. I did the thing. You know, I grew my, yeah. I grew myself. I got the deal. Yeah. To some extent, I think, um, on one hand, there's a breath of fresh air that comes after releasing something that you've been working on and haven't showed any, anybody really like other than a few close friends for so long. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, okay, now, now I go back to that marking side and yeah. it's, there's all these different things that I want to do. And like I, I touched on our, one side of our marketing campaign is so outlandish. And so it's, <laughs> it's hard to say um, if it'll work or what capacity that'll work in or to what scale that'll work in. Cause it's mm. something that could be, could be viral if the right, right things happen um, and really change the perspective as uh, me as an artist uh, more than just a rapper. Right. Um, but it's also something where I can't rely in that to be the the sole thing that pushes the project because it's it's so distant from a traditional marketing campaign. So it's it's now looking at where where the numbers are coming in, what songs are resonating in which with which audiences, and then again trying to get visuals for those um, and pushing them in the right platforms and and just expanding the reach of the overall project and giving a bunch of point of of uh, contact to where to where people that don't know me could find the project. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then for the next like couple of months, I guess, what is going to be your focus and like your schedule? Cause I think the last time we spoke, you're kind of doing a bunch of different things, but for right now, I guess would it be making the music videos and working on the, the secret marketing strategy and then booking. Yeah. Some shows that or... for the most part is set up. I think that was, okay. that was set up like the last month of, 
gearing up to release the album was creating all the content for that and because it, it kind of needed to to launch day of of uh, the album release so now it's now the focus is on okay we did that part now we put that aside and focus on the artistry of the the visual side um and then doing pushing the music in a more traditional way okay so then leading up to the release um were there any like surprises or like did you learn anything like different from your typical releases especially since it's usually singles and now it's like a whole album with the label like did the process go according to plan for the most part or like how did that how did that go yeah it's it's different in in how you approach the marketing for it mm -hmm. because the, it's such a body of work and like if you're a, a big thing that i've always done is is reaching out to youtube channels and, and different spotify playlisters and, and stuff like that to to help get my music out to audiences that don't inherently know me. Um, and with those kind of people, uh, depending on how strong the relationship is there, which a lot of times it's, it's just through like messages on a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't send them a, a 13 song project and be like, Hey, let me know if you want to add any of these songs. Yeah. So it's, it's trying to decide, um, being more accurate in who you uh -huh. send certain songs to and, and, if they like one, maybe slip another one in there and, and see. Yeah, it's if they... like, hey, bro, you got an hour. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what you can't do. So that's right. that's what it's been, and it's a it's a continued learning process too. Like even just in regards to how does Spotify handle an album release in terms of mm. uh, terms of algorithmic output to release radar and stuff like that. And that's a continued learning thing. Like we dropped it Wednesday. Today was the first day that uh, release radar started picking up. Right. a song or a couple of songs and i still can't see exactly um which songs it picked up but tomorrow probably yeah i was leading up to it and i'm, I'm curious because i thought well i don't know because I, I don't have any say in which song that they pick up and pushes the the, the single through al uh, algorithmic playlists um well, hold up but did you I, see my my post today uh, i don't think i did actually okay, sorry i so, was like bedridden since yeah no <laughs> since i last oh, night. Yeah, forgot um so i posted my my uh, weekly release radar thing and you were on there um i saw i did see that actually okay. yeah I did you know see which that post. do you know my which song end. it was my end which is one of my favorites okay. um but it I, I just didn't know how it would work i didn't know if like okay it's gonna send the album out to more fans or it's gonna send one song now and and will there be other weeks where other songs are prioritized over that one you probably yeah. know more about that than I do. I, I would, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, I. It's always interesting to see which songs get picked up. Like even with singles, like sometimes you'll drop a single, and for no reason it'll show up on release radars or it won't. Um, and then yeah. with an album, like I would have expected maybe your lead single to show up on my release radar um, versus just another song from the album. So it's like almost like well, maybe so they're trying different song i think the lead single didn't because uh because it was released two weeks in advance okay so it appeared on release radar then hmm. and there's like it is super unpredictable in, <laughs> in how things happen because i just had a song that i put out in september of 20 or october of 2020 and it it did numbers on release radar for a little while for mm -hmm. maybe a couple weeks it brought in some maybe just over like 80,000 streams up until like three weeks ago. And then all of a sudden it started doing like 11,000 streams a day, 13,000 streams a day. I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm not yeah. even pushing this song. I've released music since then. 
how is this now performing so well? And I think it's, it's something that you don't necessarily want to, you can't necessarily rely on a release rate or at all, at all, but also it can come into play down the road for a song. So I, it's going to be interesting watching all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, I'm definitely going to be taking notes along the way to, to see when the next album comes about, if things are at all the same, I, I know Spotify is obviously right. changing how they push artists, taking a percentage of, of their earnings or whatever for, for all that. So who knows? I mean, everything yeah. changes all the well, time. Let's, let's bring that back in a second. Um, but yeah, the same thing happened with us actually. So Oren song, it's called Way of Life. It came out several months ago and it did okay on release radar, like you're saying. And then last month, out of nowhere, it's spiking again on release radar for like no reason. So yeah, yeah I think that's a common thing. Um, I, my thought in regards to my song was that it started to, after like the initial push and I was promoting it and stuff. And when you're promoting it um, as heavily as I tend to do, it's really hard to see where like the core audience is located that likes it. Because you're gonna have you're putting it out in so many different places that you're gonna get so many ears um, that you're you're just kind of seeing the results of your promotion. But what started happening was as I stopped pushing it as hard, I started seeing numbers rise in oh. certain areas. One of them being Denmark, another being Germany, Paris, and it started really uh, like it got to a point where the majority of the the streams coming in every week were coming from Germany, right. and. At, at, around that point was when Release Radar picked it up, and I think it pushed it out to more people in Europe more than America, but it's just interesting. Okay, that's actually, yeah, I, I think I that makes sense. Like, So when you're promoting it heavily, you're pushing it everywhere. And yeah. Spotify's like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. It's everywhere. Like, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's my rationale. for. I don't right. know that to be the case, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you stop promoting and it kind of trickles down and stays with your core audience, then they finally have some like real usable stats to say, okay, these people like this song. Yeah, okay. Let's they like it, it in them. Germany. Let's give it to more Germans. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then let's get into the weeds a little bit with the, uh, with the release. So, you know, um, on Spotify for artists, you have the ability to submit uh, like new releases to Spotify. Mm -hmm. Did you go through that and like write up uh, like a paragraph or something? Yep. Okay, what did you do for this one? Did you mention that you were now working with The Orchard and there's going to be marketing? Did you specify any singles? I did. I mentioned that um, with with the uh, the lead single, Doused, because the way we release it, like with, with Doused, be, Doused being released with the album, but also being released two weeks in advance, I was able to pitch that one. And then after it released, I was able to pitch a second song off the album. Mm. So I think that's kind of nice. And, and if you have a couple of songs that you're thinking of lead singles, make sure you set it up that way so that you could pitch each of them. And as they come out, then you could get like the most, most bang right. for your buck there. Uh, and I did with Dallas. I, I mentioned that this is part of an album that's coming out two weeks later. There's a marketing budget behind it. Mm -hmm. um, there's an um, exceptional music video that accompanies this song. Um, here's kind of our plan. And I don't know. I mean, we haven't, we didn't get picked up with that song yet. I don't know if, if something will happen down the road. Uh, I'm still continuing to push that song super heavy. So yeah. if it starts to pick up in numbers dramatically, they might. Uh, yeah. But with, I pitched uh, my end then when the full project dropped and that was I, I mentioned a little bit of that stuff but i thought i'm not going to be redundant in, in saying what i already did mm. i'm just going to touch on more the the sonic nature and what the song means because the only other time or the only time that i've gotten on an editorial playlist that's kind of what i wrote was just like this is a song about this 
Wow. Okay, then yeah, let's do that for just like a minute. Um, because I think a lot of people don't even know that that part of the Spotify for artists exists. And uh, the people who do probably don't really know what to even say. So as someone who's done it a few times before a lot before and you've managed to get placed on an editorial playlist what what do you do to to write that submission because it is kind of overwhelming for people who aren't used to writing about music yeah and i i'm not sure i'm the uh most equipped person to explain nah, what dude, exactly to write but uh because i mean getting charlie chaplin on an editorial playlist that the new uh new music whatever or fresh finds rap mm. and hip-hop was the playlist that it landed on um i i didn't put a whole lot of thought into what i just <laughs> i what i wrote up for that but it was i just kind of explained this song like hey this is a song it's the whole center centric theme is don't talk about it just do it because mm. charlie chaplin and like that's the 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 kind of catch there oh, right. that charlie chaplin is a silent movie actor be about it don't speak about it and that's the song and here's here's the song you can hear it and whatever yeah. And it wasn't until like a month later that it got picked up for editorials. Okay. So it was, I, I do think though, um, that the most important element of, of submitting for editorial consideration is that it, the, the little message at the bottom that says, if you do this, we'll push this out via release radar to your followers when it's, when it's put out. Right. And I think that's something that we were talking about a little earlier, where if you release a single, you don't know if it's going to be picked up by release radar or to what extent you still don't know, but mm. this will help right right and like you said you know sometimes you put more effort in it than other times and it's kind of random you know what it actually affects but yeah at least submitting something will always give you a better chance because that's what the tool is designed for at least that's what they say it's for uh, so i agree just i mean if you're listening to this don't overthink it try and you know describe the song and why it might be catchy or appeal to listeners as best you can but don't overthink it to the point where you don't submit anything at all yeah i think on, like my gut feeling is far more important than what you write in that box is making sure that you're consistently submitting things. And that's always been my mentality with, with trying to work with any like promotional entity that's bigger than I am right. is they might not hear the first song I sent to them. They might not love the way I wrote up that first email, but if I'm writing up, like I'm not just copying and pasting the same submission thing every time I reach out to them, but I'm doing it consistently and writing like, hey, this is my new song. This one's about this. Then the next song that releases, hey, this is my new song. This is about this and it being different. The consistency of being in front of them, eventually, more likely than not, they'll, they'll recognize, hey, this guy submitted before. Maybe yeah. I'll listen to this one. Yeah, and that's that's true for everything. I mean, consistency and persistence, because I know like I'm not like anywhere super high in the music industry, but I get a lot of like, you know, people trying to reach out to me and I often won't reply or I don't get a chance to read it the first time. But if I see that name over and over again, eventually I'm going to open it. I'm going to reply. I'm going to talk to that it's person. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. as an artist, like if a producer, I... <laughs> There are some producers that I, I know the names of and I don't I get a ton to listen to everybody's beats that come my way. And yeah. I don't I don't think I've heard any of this guy's beats, but I, I know him by name. And if right. somebody were to say something, I know him because every day he's sending me a new beat. Right. Yeah. That's so it, 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 one of these matters. days I'm gonna open the open the email <laughs> and listen to it and be like, yeah. oh, I should shouldn't have been ignoring this guy. <laughs> All right, man. So where you're at now you've just signed the label you put out the project you're working on the release now or i'm sorry the marketing 
Um, are you thinking further down the line at all, or are you just focused on this album right now? I'm thinking farther down the line. Okay. Um, I think the last couple of weeks have been been awesome in that it's it's given me an opportunity to get back to thinking bigger than the music in terms mm-hmm. of like the visual elements and and who I want to be and, and kind of evaluating that side of things, which is something I haven't looked at for a while right. because I've just been so focused on making the music and making the music sound the way I wanted to. It's been nice to like shoot videos, edit new videos, think about how those videos play into things. Um, I have long-term thoughts and, and some ideas I'm playing with. I, I'm still doing things um, proactively to to work towards long-term. Like I do a, I do a live podcast on Twitch every Tuesday with a cousin of mine. And it started just kind of as a way to fuck around and talk to each other. Cause he lives in Oregon. I live in um, California, but it became more and more professional. Like the first time I talked to you, I was using my webcam and my webcam mic. Now I've got a camera. Now I got a microphone. Like yeah. that's helped to evolve that. And I love Twitch. I love the platform and it's so interesting. Um, and there's, a lot I want to do in the future, but it's, it's also not getting so enveloped in like forward thinking that I ignore the tasks that I have to do to, to make this album the most it could be. Right. Yeah. I like, I like that because you're right. When you're making music, when you're making art, you don't really, you kind of have to be obsessive about it. You can't really think about all the rest of your life and who you want to be and what your five-year plan is. Like your goal is to make this project and to get the idea inside of you out um, in the best way that you can. So yeah, I think it's very important to have that time to to reflect. So who does Lilo Key want to be? Who do you want to be, man? I want to be a multidisciplinary artist in a lot of different fields. I want my, the same thing that's in my music to be prevalent through everything that I do. And that's Mm. what I think is so, so strong about this project is like, it is, at least to me, it, it's all concise and about what I described initially, the beasts of, of life. Um, Mm. but at the same time, there, there are almost like three sides to the, the different kinds of music. There's the, like these, there's the almost comedic, um, uh, commentary on the industry and, and how things happen. There's the straight rap, like harder, more cinematic rap. And then there's the introspective emotional stuff. And I think that's me. And, and, uh, in, in an extent larger than rap itself, like that was one of the things that I was talking to with Adam when, when trying to figure out how to promote this was he kept saying, you're such a chameleon with rap. And I said, yeah, but I'm a chameleon with everything. And then we started, (laughs) we started putting together visuals and I was like, I like, I've always liked this, this darker aesthetic. I, I love, um, the movie Drive, Place Beyond the Pines, mm. uh, Nightcrawler, like all those super dark uh, films and stuff. But I like comedy and lighthearted stuff too. And I think that juxtaposition works really well together. And I want to take that beyond um, just music. I want to like to do some acting. I think this this campaign um, to promote this album, the more outlandish stuff. And I'll, I'll tell you about it down the road mm-hmm. here at some point or, or maybe when we stop rolling. Um, but I think the way we're doing everything now is is starting to open up opportunities for different different paths of the future and, and open different doors that i hadn't even looked at um realistically yet all right well i mean you're already taking those steps um which is awesome and i want to ask you a little bit about uh podcasting because 
you know, that's something that I started recently. Um, this is, I think this is episode like 19 or something. Um, so pretty recent. And it's something that I'm trying to spread the word on as much as I can, because I think it's a great, a great thing for anyone in the industry to do. Um, what is your experience with it been like? And do you recommend other people try it? Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, as an artist, there's, there's so much to take from it. I think it, it's just, it's a very freeing format. Mm -hmm. And like I said, when, when we started doing it, it was just an excuse for me and my cousin. And he's like, he's, uh, genetically, I think my sibling because my <laughs> moms are identical twins. So I think he oh. was, he was telling me about this. So we're, we've been super close. We grew up like brothers and it's been hard having him, um, and me not in the same area mm -hmm. for so long. And so we just wanted a, a means of talking all the time. So we wanted to do a podcast and we had tried about a year ago to just do one like over the phone, recording ourselves, uh, both audio and video, and then editing it together. But mm. that was such a process for me that like, he doesn't know any video editing. So it all came down to like me and he, him asking me every week, like, Hey, did you chop up our video and stuff yet? I was like, I don't have the time to continue doing this realistically. Right. It just doesn't make sense. And then, um, a friend of mine out here started using Twitch for, for DJing and DJing sets live on Twitch. And he kept telling me like, yo, you got a good personality for this platform. You got to get on here and, and do something. And I was so hesitant to try because I thought, I don't know what I'm doing with it yet. I don't know what exactly kind of content I'd make. And the podcast gave us an immediate in to just be like, I called my cousin Alex and I was like, yo, here's my idea. Let's do this podcast live so that we're not editing anything. Mm -hmm. And it gives me an excuse to learn Twitch, which is a, a steep learning curve right. of a social platform. I think more so than any other one, yeah. but it's been, I think one of the, the hardest things in, in creating a podcast and, and, uh, giving longevity to it is, is finding an audience for it. Um, and I, I think refining what it is you're podcasting about, like when we started, it was about nothing. And then we refined it and we're like, okay, he's a winemaker. I oh. am a, I'm a recording artist. We both like art and food. I cook all the time. Hmm. So does he. And so we thought, okay, what if we do, uh, we called it the poster boys with a Z. The poster boys is the, um, the account on Twitch. If you want to come check us out on Tuesdays at 7 PM. Um, but we decided every week we'll pick an album to listen to, a movie to watch, and a dish that we both cook paired with a wine of his choosing. We both do all that independently and then kind of film ourselves making the meals and stuff. And we're going to start streaming that as well. Um, but then reconvening for this podcast and discussing um, like the culture around the food, the film, because everything's always has a centric theme. And I think finding that niche in um, what you're doing with a podcast is important for growing it and, I think inevitably with anything, finding an audience is what will keep you going. Cause if you are constantly doing things to no viewers, eventually you're going to get tired of doing it. Right. Yeah. Dude, but I that's... think it, it's awesome. Like it's such a cool medium and gives you such great experience of like entertaining people that doesn't require leaving the house necessarily. And if you're an artist looking to perform or to do anything like the improv nature of it, I think is important. Right. Yeah. Um, Dude, those are gems for real. Like uh, coming up with a sustainable, creative idea where you do the things where you watch the movie, you make the food. Um, so you always have something fresh to talk about. And everyone likes movies and likes food. So that's yeah. like, it's a really yeah, it was, good. It's pretty widely applicable. And I, I'd never seen anybody 
really pull off a live Twitch podcast well. Mm. Like there's there's so many people on the platform that are are just chatting or or hanging out uh, or women in swimming women in hot tubs in the corner of their room and we obviously don't have the features that enable us to find an audience doing that. So it's like okay, how do we how do we kind of refine what we do to a good enough extent that that people will will watch us and it's still very early on. Like we're on episode 12 and still struggling to find a consistent audience every week and, and to grow that audience um, even farther. But I think being on Twitch uh, and doing it that way is is helpful in, in kind of giving us that edge. Yeah. And then thanks to you, we were able to put the episodes oh. auditorily on, on all streaming services. That's actually why I made my most recent uh, Patreon video is called All About Podcasting and is just walking down, um, you know, what the basic equipment is that you would need for it. And then like you were asking how to distribute it um, with Anchor. And I walked through like, you know, the, the format of that and they make it so easy. It's like there's no barrier. If you're an artist, you can make a podcast. And yeah. what, like you've been saying, when you're doing a podcast, the improv nature, the speaking, the thinking, the like it flexes all these muscles that otherwise a lot of people don't get to use. So like for me, I work, I work from home um, on my computer and I do have like meetings where I talk to people, but in general, I don't get to use any of these skills, these personal skills where I'm making a connection with someone, I'm learning about things, I'm thinking about like, what do I feel about this? Um, and then doing it all on camera, which a lot of people aren't comfortable with. It's important to get comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been crazy, like especially over the last year when when social interaction is so craved by everybody. Right being able to to do something productive that you otherwise just would have done to like get away from productivity. It's like, right. I'm gonna go hang out with friends. Well, it's now like, I'm gonna go hang out with friends, chat about something and then post it online. And that's, that's the content. Like, right. that's so cool to me. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it's only an hour or I don't know how long yours are, but- it's Oh, ours run long. Okay, yeah. So it's only like, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours uh, time that you would be using for bullshit anyways, whether it be yeah. hanging out with someone, playing video games, watching TV, you know, whatever it is. It's it's just, it's a fun activity. Yeah, it's a refreshing content. feeling having accomplished a podcast because like, I, I got to talk to somebody, woohoo, like it's yeah. been a long time since that happened. And then at the same time, it's like, I have something to, to show for it. Right, right. And the fact that it is long form content means you can make a lot of other content out of it. Um, yeah, you, yeah, it does. That's yeah. true. So like, I always try and make um, clips of like very specific things. So I'm, I'm cutting out this part of our conversation at some point where we talk about podcasting and that's going to be its own video. Well, do you have you have a TikTok account for your podcast? No, no. I've seen so many people that that like the the whole TikTok account is just that. And I've tried to be I've tried to get in more consuming content on that platform because right. it's so crazy the, the variety of content posted <laughs> on there. Like I oh my god, the accounts I follow are absurd. Like <laughs> Vladimir yeah. Putin's face imported on on some like random dancing body and stuff. Like that's the whole account. He just dances in snow or cuts things yeah. up in the kitchen. Um, but there are are like podcasts from two otherwise unknown individuals that just started a podcast and all their TikTok videos are just clips mm. up from those podcast episodes. And they have hundreds of thousands of followers wow. and have built an audience for their podcast just through that. Wow. 
Yeah, that's, I know. And that's something I've just been slacking on. Uh, my intern, Josh, keeps telling me he wants to help me make some content. And I think I got to restart uh, or make a new TikTok account because I tried it at some point. And something about the algorithm where if, if you haven't been active and you try and get reactive, it's not as good as starting a whole new account. So I oh, might okay. have to do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really good idea. And that's something I need to, are you doing that on TikTok? We, we started to, to dive into it and started to produce content for it. Um, because we do like, or especially for our, for our podcast, um, we do all the cooking and we make these little like videos independently as we're doing it. And so my cousin Alex is, oh. is kind of taking the reins on creating that kind of content, editing these little like minute long videos together so that we could start putting them up on TikTok with like, here's Alex cooking, here's me cooking, and then here's a clip from the podcast or, or yeah. just things like that. That's dope. Yeah, that'll feed into each other like one way and the other because if they just see the video of you cooking on TikTok, they wanna hear about you talk about it on the podcast, like what yeah. that was like. And then also if they watch the podcast, they're like, yeah, you can go check out the TikTok video of me making it and then they can watch there. And so it kind of feeds into each other. Yeah, that's what I think that's um, because he's not as like uh, media um, mm. or technology or technologically um, understanding as me and like doesn't doesn't come from a filming background or know how to edit right. videos to the same capacity. He's kind of working on the more short form content. And I'm looking like Twitch is Twitch is in and of itself such a advanced platform and just figuring out how to okay we do a podcast one night a week but also like that leaves six days that we're not streaming that podcast and and the people that get rewarded on that platform are the ones that are doing it every day mm -hmm. and so it, and that's a big a big been a big focus of ours recently was how do we expand the amount of content that we do so he's like okay i'm gonna cook on sunday i'll live stream me cooking and right. then you cook on monday you live stream that and then we could we each do like our various things in in the music industry and him in the wine industry and so we're going to have like both sides displayed on different days and a schedule of content and i think i do think doing a um like a, a digital podcast like this where like over zoom or discord or something it does make it slightly harder to make TikTok content from this because we're not in the same room and it's right. it's hard uh, lower resolution to cut from um but doing those other kind of streams will provide all a whole lot more content that we're able to utilize for clips and um on different social media platforms right yeah um and just going back to what you said about not being able to see him um have you been able to travel yet or still not yet to see like family members uh, we, we've had to i mean okay. over over the with the passing of my father it was a we drove across the country uh and drove back because we couldn't leave we initially flew and then flew back to LA because my dog was like maybe four months old at the time and staying with somebody that didn't know how to take care of a puppy. So we, we had to go back and get her and then dro drove her across the United States. And we, we did end up getting to uh, drive up to Oregon to see them for a little bit. Okay. Um, that was, that was like, at that weird period where like places were starting to reopen. Uh, uh, and then it, right before like the second wave, I guess, where everything <laughs> got worse and everything reshut down. And it's wild to think about now because like we thought it was over then. Yeah. Um, but I, we've gotten out a little bit. It's just it. L.A. is just been so shut down for so long. Seeing local friends has been harder than it it's been to see uh, people in, elsewhere. Yeah. Well, what's it like right there right now? I mean, 
I've heard that it has some of the most restrictions and it's been kind of one of the, I don't want to say worst places, but kind of one of the worst places. I think it has been. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, might be between New York and LA, but New York, everything's just so close. So you're bound to find something to do. LA has been, it's getting better now. Like I think they just reopened indoor dining in a like 25% capacity or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and and other things are starting to reopen but it's been it has been completely locked down for so long yeah is that like to a point where if you go outside to go for a run and you're not wearing a mask you're (laughs) gonna get publicly shamed for it dude that's so fucked up (laughs) yeah i just i actually i just saw like the cdc thing that was like hey if you're if you're vaccinated uh and you're just going for a walk you don't have to wear your mask and i was like all right Let's go. Like, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Such a ridiculous like, thing to get excited about. Yeah. To be, to be outside walking by yourself without a mask is something that you can get shamed for. Yeah. I was that walking my no dog sense. to one day and cause for a while I wasn't, I was like, this is unnecessary entirely. Right. And that's what the, the new CDC posting said was like, even if you're not vaccinated, we're going on a walk or going on a run, whatever, you don't need to wear a mask. But I was going on, uh, I was walking the one day, this is probably eight months ago with my dog and some lady was on the sidewalk, like probably 20 feet in front of me and looks back. She just starts go, Oh my God, I can't believe you're not wearing a mask. This is disgusting. And I was like, this, what, what, what did I do? (laughs) Yeah. I remember, um, so I'm in Arizona and there are some things I remember, like we wanted to go camping in the fall because it was you know the weather was nice we've been cooped up we can't travel we can't do anything and i remember they had locked down and i guess prevented dispersed camping where you go find a spot not in a campground but you just drive out somewhere and put a tent and camp and they said you can't do that and i was like this is so ridiculous because of covid and then but but that doesn't make any sense like that's that's sounds like what you should be doing. Isolate right. yourself, cut yourself. That's the safest off from, place to be yeah. by yourself. Yeah, yeah. go um, find a place in the woods. And then just hiking. So we would go hiking sometimes. And what it's still kind of a weird feeling. But when you're hiking and someone's coming down the trail and you're going up the trail, I remember the first time it happened. I was we were passing someone and they stopped and they turned around. And then they just gave us our backs and I was like. This is bizarre. Like, like for, I, I get, for what we like, just were you wearing masks? Were they wearing a mask? Um, I don't think they were wearing masks. We weren't wearing masks. It was like the breath, you know? And so they just, they just turned around oh and it was, God. that's it was a bit of a overreaction. The most bizarre human behavior. You know, you see a, yeah. a, another human approaching and you turn around. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. This it's crazy. Hold on one man. second. I, I got to switch over to uh, my webcam here real quick my dslr that i have i still that's one thing i still got to work on is oh the dude battery yes. life on it uh, oh was it battery or is it the record limit it was uh because i'm not recording with it it's just okay. a like in an, an uh, usb cord that just exports the signal it's a, okay. it's this new um new thing that canon put out because my dslr i have a 60d it's it's older okay. um but they just released this firmware that enables you to stream with older dslrs hell yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty cool you got to get one of the uh, the dummy battery packs that like stick in, but then they plug into the outlet. Yeah, I was just actually right before we started this, I was Googling that because I thought I, I run into this issue sometimes with yeah. the, uh, especially with our Twitch podcast, because they go on for like two and a half hours. Right. And I'll sometimes have issues with the camera dying. 
I thought I need to get one of those. I need to figure out how to do that and, and get something to extend this battery life. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll take that as a sign. Um, I like to cut these at about an hour. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it was great catching up with you. And I'm super excited about your deal with the Orchard and the album. I want to see this augmented reality stuff. I'm very excited. Yeah, hang, hang around after we okay. stop recording. I'll explain it to you. All right, let me wrap this up real quick.